1: All right, let's talk about that quarterback day in our segment, QB1. All right, Dan, we go through the categories every week. Let's start with the defining moment for Justin Fields, who had himself quite a day statistically. There was good, there was bad, there was a lot of in-between. What was his defining moment in your mind?
0: Yeah, in my eyes, it's, a rerun. You know, it's the interception that ends the game on the final pass that the Bears threw on Sunday. It's a miscommunication. It's crossed wires between Justin and Cole Komet. Um, Both players kind of reacting to what they're seeing from the safety and the coverage in that instance. Both players having the right intentions. Both players not in sync what I'm trying to get my my brain wrapped around is, is how do they get in sync when you have a read and you have a a, a tight end running a route trying to gauge what the safety is doing in cover, and a quarterback is seeing something slightly different and wants to have that that you know the, the best habit you know Brady and Gronk and and Mahomes and Kelsey they have that sixth sense of knowing okay I know what he's going to do here and I'm going to do what he expects me to do here they obviously didn't have that on Sunday it results in a a a lost ceiling interception as opposed to a completion, which David, as you saw in that moment, if that ball is completed, the Bears are in field goal range with a chance to tie the game and perhaps do more. And so that's what this team is about right now. Those are defining moments of football seasons. Game on the line, make a play, don't turn the ball over. We know which side the Bears have been on for too long.
1: There's really no other answer but that, so I'll just amplify, amplify it and ask ask one more question and kind of look at that play specifically. There was a miscommunication. It was, you know, Justin Fields read one thing, Cole Komet read another, and I think that that to me was almost as – as uh, I don't want to say it wiped out a lot of the the, the positives that were made, but, but you just don't want to see that at that point in the game, and I wonder how that happens, and I wonder if that was – Um, if you got any more clarity on that after, because it was something that obviously is defining in his game, but also defining in his career.
0: It's a good question because my interpretation today from listening to Cole's next day, uh, analysis of that play is that given the distance that they were facing, it was third and 13, not third and nine or third and 10, that he was hell bent on getting past the sticks. Even though you might be in four down territory there, his Instincts in that situation is I have to make sure that I catch this pass beyond the line to game. So we move the chains and we get a new set here. And so in order to do that with the coverage he was facing from the safety, he felt like he had to get up there and then make that that inward break. Justin was hoping that because that safety was playing as deep as he was, that hole would would sit down a little bit short of the sticks in a spot. And so that's where he trusted him through the ball to. Um again it just wasn't it wasn't in lockstep and so these are little things these little nuances within within football that separate winning teams from losing teams and you would hope again like this isn't Cole Komet didn't sign with the bears in you know june This is a guy who's been with Justin his entire career here. At some point, the on-field chemistry needs to translate into moments like that where where it separates a win from a loss. It didn't on Sunday. It's why we're talking about another defining moment of the Bears failing to put together a game-tying or game-winning drive in in the clutch. Uh, And one of these days, they've got to get over that hump.
1: Might be the same thing, but the next category is the uh uh-oh moment. My sense is it's going to be one or the other. What was your uh uh-oh moment for Justin Fields?
0: So it's the strip sack, and I would like to get a little bit more intel from Luke Getze on Tuesday when we get a chance to talk to him in regards to things that Justin may have been able to do differently to buy himself. Really, he just needed to buy himself an extra three-quarters of a second. You obviously have a naked bootleg concept there with the the, the edge rusher coming in untouched and, and nobody is supposed to account for him. That's the entire design of the play. Now you have to execute that play fake in a way that perhaps gives you more depth. And again, like maybe you just need another three quarters of a second so that after you execute that play fake and you turn around, you see that guy and now you have this elite athleticism to dodge him, either to get the ball out and dirt it or to get around him and then make a play that way. And so I, that's where I'd like to hear a little bit more from Luke on Tuesday. But that's a huge moment in that game. It's 28-21. The Bears are trying to hold on to a game that's slipping away. And the last thing you can have is a turnover in that situation. The last thing you can have is a turnover that results in a defensive touchdown for the opponent. Uh-oh is the only optimal way to describe that.
1: There's no other way to respond and there's no other way to, to describe. I mean, 28-21, to 21, you're in the fourth quarter. The only thing that I would wonder is that if you, as you call.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so
1: many you know, more doors. The show is
0: called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal.
1: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And and maybe this is asking a bit much, but I wonder this because, you know, you have to try to anticipate everything. So when you call the play in the huddle and you understand that there's going to be this naked bootleg, they call it naked because you don't have any protection. And you wonder if you are in your head already two ticks ahead because you're anticipating that there is no protection. So you have to be ready once you once you make the fake that somebody might be on you immediately if they read it right, if they are blitzing like the Broncos were. So I do, I do I think it's a tough thing to say, well, you know, he should have done this and he should have done that. But I do wonder if, they the anticipation level, the reminders or anybody in the huddle or anybody in his ear. OK, we're calling this, but be ready because it may be coming off the edge. And as soon as you turn around, he may be on you. So don't you know, make sure you protect the football. It's, it's one of those things that's easy to say after the fact. But I wonder what the alerts and alarms were going off before the snap. Well, look,
0: it's an anticipation and it's an urgency. You know, it's like w- with my kids, we can either be two minutes early to some place or we can be two minutes late and it's up to you to, to figure out how, how urgent you want to be getting in the car and getting your shoes on let's go. So like when you're executing one of these plays, there is an urgency that comes with that because as you mentioned, when you turn around, there is a chance that someone is going to be right there in your kitchen when you turn around. And so you better be able to react to that in a way that's there. Again, like I- I'm not going to skewer Justin for this. It's a very difficult situation. But it is something that if you're looking for teachable moments that you have to work through so that in the next instance that that occurs, you uh, come out on the positive end of that or at least come out in a negative end that's not a strip sack fumble return for a touchdown.
1: What was your bright spot, bright uh, for, for Justin Fields?
0: Absolutely loved the two off-script touchdown passes. The first one to Cole Komet, it was Cole's second touchdown catch of the first half, and the one to Khalil Harbor. These are two plays that, that Justin made with a combination of athleticism and vision and decisiveness. Both of them, different fashion. The first one to Komet, uh, you know, rolling out. The the play that they called wasn't there. It was taken away by the way that the, the, the Broncos defense played it, and Cole had to improvise there, and Justin had to use both a uh in the agility outside and then the calm vision to see how Cole was adjusting and then bam the defense reacts again you treat it like a point guard and you throw it to him the one to herbert you avoid a rush you know and i think justin's prior instincts are to take off and turn that into a tuck and run situation yesterday on that pass to, to herbert he, he he got away from the pressure used his eyes up said there's my guy boom Ripped it. Touchdown. Two-yard touchdown pass. These are the types of things that have to happen six to eight times a game for you to be a next-level offense. Off-script playmaking by the quarterback as a thrower. Just as elite elite athleticism, we've documented that. It has to now translate into off-script throws. Those are two instances that it did.
1: I like that one. I also like the one that was the touchdown pass the 29-yarder to D.J. Moore because we always talk about how in the first couple games he he needs to let his receivers try to go up and make a play. On that one that's exactly what he did. I mean, DJ Moore made a tremendous play. He had eight catches for 131 yards with that touchdown, a 29-yarder that he kicked the pylon. It was he had to review it and he knew it was in and all the stuff, but what that what that showed was this this trust that has developed quickly between the two. And what you spent the offseason gushing about, got people excited about the season, actually. Remember that, um, when people were excited about this season? I but don't. Justin Fields <laughs> connected with, uh, you know, one plus two equals six. And finally, that connection hit on that play. And when you give uh, your receivers like that a chance to make a play, number one wide receivers in the NFL will catch that ball and come down in bounds like DJ Moore did. And that was a good reminder. So that was my on the bright side for Justin Fields.
0: No doubt. All right, my key number David was 335. That's a career high in passing yards for Justin Fields. It has to be circled. It has to have a highlighter wrapped around that as well. This is a, a a kid right now who needed positive moments. 335 yards and four touchdown passes is a positive moment. I know he was laying down in his locker after the game Sunday and he was pretty dispirited by the way that game ended, but hopefully when he woke up Monday morning and as he gets into Tuesday and Wednesday, he feels some of that identity that the Bears were establishing offensively on Sundays. He feels some of that rhythm and flow that they got into when he completed 23 of his first 24 passes. Hopefully he feels the confidence and the energy that can carry forward, obviously in a month now where you have to get a win soon.
1: Third and 10 in the uh, fourth quarter, my number is 20 because that was how long Justin Fields' run was when he improvised and he did what he needed to do, which I think is interesting reminder, just how how explosive he can be. It also opens a door for us to look through and say, well, this is the running quarterback. We talk about all the time. The guy who had a thousand yards rushing last year, you take away that 20 yarder. He had three carries for five yards. Mm -hmm. This is not somebody that was threatening the Broncos with his feet. Maybe the implied threat did, but it wasn't somebody that was getting, you know, a, a lot of, uh, room to run or felt that it was necessary. He did have 335 yards passing, as you point out. But to me, what that 20-yarder did was, number one, it kept the drive alive, and that was a key key moment in the game at the time, but it also just reminded him and maybe everybody else how dangerous he can be when he is tucking and running. I don't want that to disappear from his repertoire. The Bears can't afford to let that be ignored because that skill makes him different. We saw the potential in the passing game, certainly, but... Him as a runner is what separates him from comparing being compared to others.
0: I like it. I, I, I would like to see a gradual evolution towards the, some of the things that Mahomes does. I'm not asking him to be Patrick Mahomes, but be able to make some plays with your arm on the move and then be able to use your movement skills to be like, I'm going to make a play with my arm. I'm going to make a play. Oh, no, I'm taking off now. And then you take it for 12 yards. And that was an instance where I think he, he did a nice job of, of of looking downfield and then saying that my best option here is my legs. Let's go.
1: I saw some of those instincts on display. I think I was watching Saturday. I think it was a USC and Colorado game, might have been that hmm. game. But hmm, they have a pretty good quarterback. We'll talk about him, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, in you, think, you thinking
0: a package deal, maybe? Co-
1: <laughs> Coach quarterback? Know. It's way too early to start that. I, 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 I railed <laughs> against that this morning. All right, so that is our, our QB1 segment.